Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. You know, you also mentioned uh, Pastor John Treadwell of Lynn, Massachusetts. Now, he kept, yeah. according to what you, in your book, he kept a loaded flintlock rifle in his pulpit. Why do you think that was necessary? Well, well, it is the same with Thomas Allen and some of the other pastors. Thomas Allen was from Pittsfield, Massachusetts. These guys, many of them, had been threatened by the British authorities. So they knew that on any given Sunday, uh, a, a group of uh, redcoats could come marching into the church and try to arrest them and their congregants, or uh, there might be a, a, a fight breakout right outside their their church. And so they came prepared to defend not only themselves, but liberty. In fact, uh, Thomas Allen, uh, like Lynn, uh, brought firearms into the pulpit. In fact, it said that Thomas Allen would wear two loaded flintlock pistols into his pulpit. And he'd lay them on the pulpit, preach his sermon. Then when he was finished, he would hook them back into his belt and go to the door of the church and greet his congregation. And then, of course, Thomas Allen was one of the uh, fierce fighters at the Battle of Bennington, Vermont, in 1777. Uh, these guys were, were uh, they were just so different from the caricature of a pastor that we have today. Things are, are very, very different, uh, sadly, very different. Well, you know, you're right. You have painted a picture that is unfamiliar to most of us today. Um, I think one of the things that's important that, to me in, in listening to you and listening to these descriptions is to understand that these were community churches, and that's what, that's what was, was present then. Each community had a church. The people who lived around that church they were they were really a community. They interacted with each other. They socialized with each other. They helped each other out. Uh, that was the community that they belonged to, and it was yes. a small community church, which I have to tell you, we have many of those where we live here in rural uh, western North Carolina and rural North Georgia and East Tennessee. That's really... It's, it is more of a normal situation here where you have small community churches. Uh, what, when most people think of churches nowadays, we're thinking of mega churches and, and pastors on TV and, and all of that stuff, which to me is not, I'm probably getting in trouble for saying, but it's not real. It, it's not real to me. Uh, yeah. It's not the meaning 
of the Christian community church, because what you're describing is exactly that. And that's why our country is the way it is today, because these pastors were the leaders in their community, and their communities were small, close-knit communities that were dependent upon them for, for guidance and wisdom, and the community depended on each other for life. No, no, you're, you're, you are exactly right. Um, you know, the, the church growth movement in our modern era has changed the definition of success to the numbers of people in the seats and the amount of money in the offering plate. But that is not, not only is it not the biblical definition of success, it certainly has not been the definition of success for the larger part of the history of the church. Now, we all want churches to grow because ultimately we are called to reach people with the gospel. And if you reach people, generally you tend to grow. But that's not the measure of success ultimately. So today we have, it's almost like uh, religious corporations rather than churches, and you have the CEO and then you have you know, a number of other uh, company officers that we call staff, and it, it, it's almost as if they, um, they don't uh, relate to the people of their congregation. Other folks are paid to do that. And so, you know, it, it, it's a sad, sad thing because we have lost the community aspect of our churches. These guys, though, in the 18th century were very, very different. They would minister to those men on the battlefield. You take David Avery from Vermont. He was a pastor who was at the Battle of uh, Breeds in Bunker Hill. He, uh, during the fighting, we have his journal, and in his journal he wrote that he had placed himself in a fairly conspicuous spot, and he stood there with his hands lifted up to heaven, praying that God would protect them while his men were firing away with their muskets. And of course, the musket balls are whizzing all around him. Well, you, you've got to, you can only imagine how that had to encourage and comfort his men uh, I talked about Thomas Allen a while ago. You know, at the Battle of Bennington, Vermont, he actually was shot at by the British and goes back and, and beside his brother Joe, or Joseph, fights all day long at the Battle of Bennington, Vermont. But after the battle, then Thomas Allen goes across the battlefield ministering to the wounded on both sides and ministers, of course, specifically to the men uh, from his community and, of course, the, the uh, American troops, before he rides some uh, 30 miles back to his church that weekend on horseback to preach at his church, to preach in his own pulpit. So, so the, the, you're right. The, these men had a very different concept of what being a pastor is, and their definition of a church was very, very different from the definition that we use today. I'm talking with, with Dan Fisher. Uh, Dan Fisher, who has written an incredible book and video called Bringing Back the Blacked, Black-Robed Regiment. His website, danfisherbrr.com. I urge you all to go there. Uh, buy the DVD, buy the book. Uh, this is part of American history. You know, history, the knowledge of history is absolutely critical if we are to survive as a nation. Uh, if you do not understand how we got to be what we are 
and the incredible people who were part of that that struggle, that battle, and the growth of this nation. How can you expect to be able to help make this country a success in the future if you don't understand history, you don't understand the mistakes that were made? And, and mistakes are always made, but that's how we grow and learn. That's part of being a pastor, isn't it, Dan Fisher? Well, well it is. In fact, Dan, someone has said that if we don't know where we came from, we don't really have a good feel for where we are. And if we don't know where we are, there's no possible way we could know where we're headed. It's just points of reference. And and a pastor has the spiritual and philosophical cultural responsibility to minister to his people and to make certain that they are cared for in every way. Unfortunately, we live in a time, and I'm a pastor, I've also served, as you said at the very beginning, in the the Oklahoma legislature, we live in a time where the gospel has been pared down to where all it really represents to most people is John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that people that trusted him would have everlasting life. Well, that's true. That's certainly a big part of the gospel, but the gospel is far more than just getting people from here to heaven. It's getting heaven into people while we're here. And we, we've lost that, Dan. We, we've lost the, the understanding of, of the fullness of the gospel or the, the whole counsel of God, and we, we, don't, we don't connect the dots like we once did. And see, that's why this, this group that we call the Black-Robed Regiment was, was so different, because they did connect the dots. And as they stood in, in front of their people every Sunday, because... Every denomination, pretty much, their preachers wore black robes. So they'd stand in front of their congregations every Sunday wearing these black robes. And uh, that's where the British got the name, because these guys preached in black robes all of the time. But um, they connected the dots for their people, and they weren't afraid to do so. And that's the difference. Well, you know, religion, as we have discussed already, really permeated all aspects of life. Um, I think that in any community, uh, the pastor uh, was a key element, and so was the teacher. Uh, And they were very often aligned because morality was taught in the schools as well as from the pulpit. It was a kind of a... Everyone had to learn that kind of thing. I'm, I'm just, I'm recalling that uh, uh, Curtis Bowers spoke about uh, Kipling's God of the Copybook Headings, where children in school, uh, f- to practice writing, to practice reading and writing, would write sayings about morality. Uh, and that was one way that the, the moral teachings of right and wrong were ingrained in young children so that when they grew up to adults, they would understand that there is a right, there is a wrong, and you best know the difference because God is looking out for that. Well, you're exactly right. You know, I, I, as a pastor, of course, I pastor a local congregation. I've served in the legislature, but I travel around doing numerous kinds of presentations. First and foremost, I do the Black Regiment presentation where in period costume, I, I tell the stories of these pastors, and I, I I bring them to life. But I also do other presentations. I, I've done 
uh, numerous presentations on the actual Christian history of, of American culture. And, you know, to touch on what you were just saying, the New England primer used Scripture to teach little boys and girls the alphabet, how to read. They were quoting Scripture to do it. Now, we're, we're very far removed from that point today, but that's what made our culture so different. That's why, for so many decades, America was, in some ways, we're not perfect, and we've made huge mistakes, as all people do, but America has kind of been, to the rest of the world, kind of that city on a hill. We, we, we've offered a, a level of liberty that, that no other people or, or nation or whatever you want to call it has, has ever done before. And there's a reason that we've been so successful. It's not because we're better than others. When we talk about American ex- exceptionalism, I hope that what we mean by that is our founders had the sense to build who we are on a firm foundation, uh, philosophically, even though maybe not everybody was a Christian, but the whole idea of the Judeo-Christian ethic and principle, and it's made us so different from all of the other peoples that you read about in history, or even countries that exist today. It's just set us apart, and and that's part of the genius of who we are, and that's why this, this the story of these men of the black robe regiment is so critical. If we can't learn what pastors once did and what the church once did, chances are we will never do it again. Well, tell us what why do you what has changed? What changed the past did the pastors change? What changed that we're not getting that today? What's the difference? Where did well, it come from? Well, Dan, that's probably the million-dollar question, and as a pastor, I can kind of probably afford to be a little more critical of my peers. I believe, I really do believe it's leadership's fault. You know, I I believe that Scripture teaches that ultimately everything rises or falls on leadership. Scripture says that Jesus one time looked out at the people who were gathered to hear him and wanted him to perform miracles, and he said he saw them as a sheep without shepherds. And, and so you see these sheep with no shepherds. If you know anything about sheep without a shepherd, they will eat things they shouldn't eat. They'll walk off of, of, of embankments. They, they will die. They just cannot take care of themselves. Well, Scripture calls us sheep for a reason, and it calls pastors shepherds for a reason. So the church either rises or falls on pastors being men of God or not. And I believe pastors have failed now for, oh, I don't know, probably 75 to 100 years, because we've bought into the idea that what we're supposed to do is build a big organization. George Barna, in 2014, Barna's a Christian pollster, as you know, and he does a lot of study. He was trying to determine the, the percentage of Americans who are Christian. And, of course, you've heard these uh, different studies that 60-70% of America is Christian, and yet when you look at our culture, you scratch your head and say, well, that, that can't be. Well, what Barna did is he drilled deeper than most studies do, and he wanted to know how many are actually born again. And then on top of that, how many hold a biblical worldview? And he found that out of all of those who claim to be Christian, 
only about nine, at the very most 10%, actually have a biblical worldview. So then he thought, well, maybe I'll study the pastors. So a, a part of this study, he interviewed hundreds of pastors. About 97% of them agreed that the Bible addresses every social ill that we're experiencing today in our culture. But when he asked them, would they speak on those issues, almost the same number, almost the same percentage said, no, I'm not going to touch those issues from the pulpit. So, so it's no wonder, Dan, why our churches are so compromised, our churches are so lukewarm and apathetic, because the pulpit is. I'm sure you've read Alec de Tocqueville, uh, you know, when Alec de Tocqueville came to America, he was trying to find out he said, what, what the, the secret was to the American culture. And, you know, I won't quote him, but he said he went everywhere. He couldn't find the genius to America until he visited the churches. And when he visited the churches in the early 1800s and he found the pulpits aflame with righteousness, he said, then... I understood the genius of America. And he said, America is great because America is good. But if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. So I believe that the, the, the turnaround in our culture and in our history is due to pastors who've started to compromise the message. They don't live what they preach. They don't preach the whole truth. And consequently, we have an anemic, practically powerless church in America. I'm speaking with Dan Fisher, uh, and the creator of the Black Robed Regiment uh, presentation, books, and DVD. You know, Dan Fisher, what you've just talked about, and I found that really interesting, you raised a theme that uh, I've read about and discussed, and that is Isaiah nine ten, uh, which you, of course you are aware uh, discusses uh, the the children of Israel uh, who were punished by God, and instead of turning around, mending their ways, and uh, and begging for forgiveness and and showing showing God that they understood they were wrong and they had to change their ways. They were defiant, and when the temple was destroyed, uh, instead of instead of doing that, they wanted to build it stronger so that it would not be destroyed again. Uh, and and that's kind of what you're talking about here is is that whole concept is that we had a moral society, and we left it, and now instead of instead of saying. God, we we went in the wrong direction. Uh, we're sorry, and we're going to do everything possible uh, to to rectify that, to get back on track, to get to back yeah. to adhere to God's law, the right, the the moral thing to do. Uh, instead of doing that, we're we're building taller buildings, bigger yeah. churches, and, and that's the wrong direction, isn't it? Well, it is, and, and Dan, I'm not criticizing churches that have been able to build a large congregation. If they've done it the right way for the right reasons, then I say all power to them. So I'm not suggesting that churches should all be small. 
But what I am suggesting is our motives are, in most instances, I believe, wrong. You know, if you go later into the book of Isaiah to chapter 56, God is telling Isaiah what the problem is. And God says that his pastors, his preachers, his prophets, were like watchdogs that all they wanted to do was eat and sleep. He said, my watchdogs don't bark. (laughs) And, you know, what good is a watchdog if he can't bark? And then in Ezekiel 33, you're familiar with where Ezekiel says that we're watchmen on the wall. And if we see the enemy approaching and we say nothing, then God holds us accountable. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The rights to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Peace.